0: so that you can move forward and publish your book with boldness and courage. My name is Coach Tam, and this is Publishing Secrets. This episode of Publishing Secrets is sponsored by the Connect and Convert Content Club for Christian Authors. You know what? I get it. You just want to glorify God, write, connect with your readers, and earn a comfortable living. You don't want to be stuck in this never-ending cycle of planning, researching, and creating content. You know that you need to build an author platform. You've heard that again and again. But the question is how? With everything that I have on my plate, how do I do this in a way that really connects with my audience? Well, here's the good news. The Connect and Convert Content Club was created with you in mind. It's going to relieve the stress save you time, and help you build a brand and a following quickly. So join us in the Connect and Convert Content Club. You'll find the link in the show notes to learn more, and you'll never have to worry about what to post again. Webster's Dictionary defines a standard as something that's set up or established by an authority. As a rule for the measure of quantity, weight, extent, value, or quality. So my first question for you today is, what is your standard? What are you measuring yourself against? But then the deeper question, when you really look at the definition, is what are you making the authority in your life? Is the authority in your life what people Say about you? Is it how much money you have or don't have in your account? Is it your status on the corporate ladder or how you're doing in this entrepreneurial game? Is it how you measure up against the latest styles and fads or where you align yourself politically? What is the standard? In your life, because it determines what you focus on, where you draw your inspiration. It impacts everything that you do. What is your standard? In this day and age, there are so many things that are competing for our attention that scream, this is what you need to measure yourself against. And that's why I'm so thankful for people like my guest this week on Publishing Secrets, Josh Karachidorian. He reminds us that, yeah, fads may come and go, that our popularity may come and go, but At the end of the day, Jesus is the standard. Now, Josh's message, the book that he's written, is directed at a specific audience. It's discovering Jesus as the standard for masculinity. But ladies, make no mistake, Josh has words of wisdom for us too. As I read his book, I found myself being challenged, stretched, motivated, and inspired to be the best person that I could be, not because of what the world expected of me, but because of what Jesus did for me and what he empowers me and you to do. So listen, you are gonna get pumped up and motivated by this episode. So this is gonna be one that you are going to want to play again, again, and again, because Josh is just that type of guy he's a motivator he's an educator and he's a writer that had to find his own way and so if you're getting kind of lost in the sauce if you're a little bit in and a little bit out depending upon the day josh has a message for you that it's going to inspire you to get across the finish line there's a blessing in finishing. And Josh is going to break it down for you. Enjoy. Really been looking forward to this conversation with you about the standard. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Tam. It's an honor to be here. I've been looking forward to this conversation as well.
0: Absolutely. You know, just to include the audience in, I came across Josh out there in social media land and heard about this book, The Standard, Discovering Jesus as the Standard for Masculinity. And the more that I kind of Facebook stalked, (laughs) the more intrigued I became about the subject. And I just wanted to make sure that we were a part of helping you get this very important message out. So let's start there, Josh. I know that we'll talk about a lot of things today, but Tell us about your heart for the standard. Where did the idea for this book come from?
1: That's a great question. Thank you. A little bit about my background first. So I, uh, I've been an entrepreneur. I've also been in the corporate environment. In fact, I'm still there at the time of recording this. And I've had the chance to manage people, I've had the chance to lead others, I've had the chance to learn from what the world has to offer as far as team leadership and management and EQ and all the things that is what we get trained in, in terms of becoming a great leader and a strong leader. So that's important for me to say that because I was reading the Bible and I was specifically diving into the gospels a few years ago, And I was looking at the life of Jesus, but this time I was looking with a new lens. I was looking through the lens of not just the miracles, not just seeing Jesus as son of God, but I was really examining his life, his methods, his operating principles, his EQ, and I was looking at him through the lens of leadership that I've been privileged to walk down and I've been charged with as I build teams, as I lead other people, as I develop a sales force, and I was seeing how awesome Jesus was and is In his role as the son of man, he refers himself as the son of God and the son of man. We know he completely empties himself. He limits his power is what Philippians tells us. And he walked the earth facing all the temptations that every human does. Only he was sinless. He's completely God and completely man. At the same time. So I was really fascinated and being pulled into looking at Jesus in his humanity, and looking at how he operated and seeing all these things in his life that I probably wouldn't have been able to pull out at a younger age. But at this point in life, I was now viewing it through a new lens. And I was just appreciating everything about the Lord and how he operates and how he leads teams and how he communicates and how he confronts and all these issues that we as men are charged to deal with on a daily basis.
0: I love that. You know, as I was listening to you, Josh, it occurred to me that you're right. There are so many things that we can learn from Jesus. We certainly hear a lot about uh, the spiritual components, but there are a lot of really practical things that impact how we manage our lives on a daily basis. So you're talking about the leadership aspect of it, which we don't often hear about in religious circles. So you want us to be able to use Jesus as an example, in your instance specifically to the male audience of how we lead, how we take charge, which is a great perspective because it helps us to see that the Bible isn't just for Sunday. It isn't just where I go get inspired and motivated it is a tool. If I have companions like the standard that help me to see that it is the tool for how I do life. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And part of the catalyst for this was I've been a part of many men's groups. I've gotten a chance to see men and, you know, up close, raw and personal, you know, sitting at tables and one-off conversations. And it's really easy for guys right now, we're under attack on so many fronts, so many angles where men are dealing with issues, distractions, Just all sorts of stuff coming at us from every angle. And what I was finding in some of the circles that I was traveling through is that a lot of men, we love Jesus, but we kind of put them off in the distance a little bit like I can't relate to Jesus, right? So even if you look at most of the books out there for men, from a Christian perspective, they might be about King David or they're about a man who failed. They're about looking at all these other types and characters of men that we can look to and we relate to them because they have failure in their life. And when we look at Jesus, we're like, wow, well, I'll just keep trying harder. Like, you know, we put him way over here when he's like, no, Jesus wants to do life with us. He's inside of us. He wants to walk next to us and he's the standard we're called to live up to. So I wanted to present Jesus and make him very relevant, very real, very accessible for every man that he should not be a Sunday only thing or a weekly Bible study thing, but we can walk with him and have a phenomenal relationship with our Lord. And he is a real man. He's a real man who walked in our shoes and he modeled the way for us through all the different types of characters and wildernesses and situations that he was faced with. Those are things that we will be faced with as well. And he presents a spiritual model, but he also presents this model of just how do you conduct yourself? And um, I don't want to separate him from his divinity, but there's a lot of facets we can look at as we hold him to the standard for what we're called to live up to.
0: I love this. Now you mentioned a little bit earlier that many of the stories that are out there that feature men talk about failure. And I noticed immediately as I looked at the standard that one of the main points that you make is that the number one fear that men have is being a failure. So I want to talk about that a little bit from your perspective. How do men defied failure, and why is there so much fear around that?
1: Yeah, so first of all, if we look at the way we are created, and we look, if we go back to the Genesis account, we're created for dominion. It's in our DNA, right? We are created to rule and to reign. We were created to be a vice regent, a manager, a steward, and a king of the earth. And because of the fall and because sin entered in, that's fractured, that was taken from us. And now we live under a curse of work and there's different things we have to go through, even though there's a plan of redemption and a plan of salvation. But we still have this inherent spiritual fingerprint on us that we're destined for greatness, This spiritual fingerprint that we are to climb the next mountain, that we want to conquer something because it's within us. It's the way God made us. And specifically the way he made men is to build. So we're called to be builders and we're always supposed to be building something. And right now, just because of society, because of what men deal with, because of their own personal stuff, a lot of guys, they want to step out. They have this hunger, this innate gene, this spiritual DNA that's within them to do something great whether they know the Lord or not. And this is why we see men build empires. And this is why they climb Mount Everest. This is why they're looking for the next mountain to climb or, and conquer. They're searching for God. They're searching to be reunited with the way they were created. And many men, they sideline themselves. And just because of the culture that we're in right now, they're silenced. They have dreams, they have aspirations, but they kind of tamp those down to fit into the box that they're being conformed into, for lack of a better way to say that. And so in the heart of every man, there's this desire to play bigger, this desire to win, this desire to step out of the boat like Peter did, literally. However, because they don't, they feel this untapped potential. You know, many of the guys I speak to, and if you go up to anyone, and this could, this could go for women as well, you know, are you living up to your full potential? Are you maximizing where you are with what God's given you, with what's in your hand? And most people, will, if they're being honest, are going to say no. And why? It's because they know they should step out or they should do something, but they're scared. They're scared of what people think. They're scared of failing. And you know this because you coach authors, Tam. So (laughs) I had to overcome my own fear just with getting a book out there. So this can manifest on multiple levels, but the short answer to the question is, We know we're called for more. We know we're made for more. It's very frustrated to live knowing you're created for more, but not stepping out because you don't know how, because you don't need permission or because you feel you need permission or because you're scared that I'll fail. And what are people going to say if I make a move and it doesn't work out? Well, you know, as
0: the female perspective here in this conversation, it's kind of refreshing, honestly, to hear you share that. And, And the same was true as I was reading your book because I think it will talk a little bit about you know the battle of the sexes, if you will, in a bit. But I think a lot of times women may have the perspective that men have it all together. Like they don't battle these same fears, perhaps because it's not talked about as openly right. as it is in women's circles. But you got are battling this same thing, wanting to maximize your potential. And when it doesn't happen, either because of perception of external forces or internally, there is an impact for you. It just may be processed or handled a little bit differently. Is that a fair statement?
1: I think that's fair. And, you know, men love masks. We don't like to show vulnerability. We don't like to show weakness. We don't like to let people in. And if we do, it will be, you know, very close friends. If a man is fortunate to have that around him and he's open and honest enough to let the guard down. But a lot of guys are walking around frustrated because they're not living who they're supposed to be and they conform to the box. They want to step out. They don't know how, or they're scared of what people are going to think if they really put themselves out there.
0: Yeah. Now you make an argument in your book, which I, it immediately caught my attention. I said, we've got to talk about this. You say that Christianity has been feminized. Talk to us a little bit about what you mean by that and how that impacts the male audience.
1: Yeah, so we'll do just really brief history on this because when I make that statement, it's actually historical. If we go back to the Industrial Revolution, if we go back actually before that happened, here in America at least, is that men were the leaders of their household. They were, you know, really being that example. They were, you know, an agrarian society. They would live on the farm. They would be there. They would be present in the home. They would be the leader of the home, the spiritual leader of the home, and they would be involved in what was happening in the community. And then what happened when the industrial revolution came in, men left, they left the home and they traded that work for, you know, working for companies and leaving and coming back a few days later. And what happened at that time was that the women took the leadership role in the house and they started to ascend to the role of being everything for the children, the godly leadership, spiritual leadership, and the ones that were going to church. And here we start to see a drift in history where men stop attending church. And now a vicious cycle comes into play because we have a church that's now becoming more dominant with a female audience. So therefore, the programs, the decor, the music, everything starts to cater to that audience, which is growing the church. And the men are becoming separated from this. And the more they look at it, they're like, well, I don't fit in there anymore. Like there's flowers, the pictures, the songs, all the stuff is making them feel like less than masculine to be a part of what's happening in the church. So we have that. And if you really look into the, you know, this book is about Jesus as the standard for men for masculinity. And even a lot of our images, a lot of the art, we portray Jesus as a soft man, as a weak man. He looks like he's a hippie traveling the wilderness and he's always holding a little sheep and, um, or he's always with the children. It's always the softer side, which is a real, it's a real side. It's awesome the way Jesus connects and he is sensitive and he does demonstrate empathy, but we've highlighted him so much as the lamb that we lost sight of the lion.
0: Powerful, powerful. Jesus has more than one side.
1: Yeah. Mm.
0: So, your goal is to help your audience tap back into that lion side and understand what that really looks like. So, the standard publishing secrets family is divided into six sections, if I'm remembering correctly. Josh, if you would, can you walk us through what the six sections are and then how did you kind of formulate? Because there's a lot of ground that you're covering here. You're making a pretty bold statement. Uh, and he lives up to it, by the way. So this, this one is Coach Tam approved. How do you pack all of that into six sections? So talk to us a little bit about it.
1: Right. So let's go back to that statement you made where I want to show Jesus as the lion. Right. So I want to show him and we can never do justice when we're talking about the Lord of the universe. Right. So I want to show what I've been entrusted, what I believe is downloaded that I want to share with people. And it's not just one side. So if we look at what is masculinity and you ask people, what does a real man do? Well, we know the foundation is, if we even go back to Genesis, what man is charged with is protect and provide. We have to protect. We have to provide. We have to take responsibility. What I'm doing in the standard is I'm putting in some extra levels of some different layers, some six layers that I layer on to say, yes, men protect and provide, but it's much more than that. That's the base level. That's the ticket to the dance to get your man card. You better protect your family. You better provide for your family. But there's a lot more we can learn from the life of Jesus. So. As I was reading the scriptures and just diving deep into Jesus's life, I was starting to see, and I believe it was a spiritual download where the Lord just impressed on my spirit. I got these symbols and every section has a symbol. And I just started seeing, wow, there's the measuring reed. Jesus is the standard. You know, he was a builder in his physical life before entering into his ministry. And he would have worked with a measuring reed. He would have used a measuring rod as a an instrument to calibrate and to build with structure and symmetry. And he still does that today, even though he left his tools in Nazareth when he steps into his ministry journey. So there's this element of self-mastery that every man must master himself and use disciplines that Jesus models for us on a daily basis. So section one is really about self-leadership. And I believe every man is called to be a leader. That's the way we're created. Every man is called to be a leader. However, not every man leads. And if you want to lead and you're called to that leadership mandate, which everyone is, you first have to start with leading yourself. So that's what book one is about. It's how do I lead myself? And we look at the role of a disciple. We look at the role of discipline in Jesus's life and really going through how he exercises restraint, how he has a plan. And I won't give away the whole book, but we go through these short chapters, hopefully very impactful for men where they can see, wow. Wow. This is inspiring to me. And this is what I have to do. This is something I can use and I can leverage in my life every day. After self-leadership, we get into leadership in general, how he leads a team and how all men are called to be leaders. After that, we look at his communication style, that men should be strong communicators and they should be able to communicate with a host of different people in a host of different ways. And Jesus was an awesome communicator and a storyteller, and he made connections with people. And he always pulls people deep. He always pulls them into discovery and invokes curiosity. After that, we look at empathy, how he's the fishing net. He always pulls people towards himself and the connection he makes. And I use that word EQ, which is a really hot word right now, even in the corporate world and the sales and marketing world. But Jesus demonstrates this in his ability to connect with everyone. And Tam, there is this section of confrontation. We do go into this section of, You know, this is the part that's probably left out the most in churches. We don't hear a lot about how Jesus, in the cultural context, what he did when he took on the Pharisees, or when he flipped the tables, and how he fights for justice, and he always stands up for the downtrodden, and that's an awesome model that we need today more than ever that men can look at Jesus and see like, yeah, that's a real man standing up for the weak, defending the defenseless. And then we end with love, where we talk about his call and his work of the cross, what he accomplished with his work on the cross. And we also talk about the weight of the cross, the disciplined life, and the life of a disciple that all believers are invited to follow. And I'll just say this, because I know you read the book and you like it. I believe it's, it's written for men, and there's specific coaching sections after each short chapter where I share something really relevant that a guy can apply in his life. Um, it's written from the male perspective. So there's definitely a place for guys to read this as a devotional or read it straight through. And I hear awesome feedback and I'm blown away every time someone tells me how much it blessed them or helped them, or they're reading it for the second time or studying with friends. I will also say, I have a lot of women that have read the book and they love it too, because it's about Jesus. So at the end of the day, anyone could benefit from it, but there are specific sections and coaching sections that are really geared towards men and the heart of a man.
0: Yeah, no, that's fair. And I definitely wanted to speak to the male perspective because it's not something that we get to do quite honestly, very much here on the podcast, but I agree, you know, there are so many things that as I was reading, i was like, yes, I agree with them. We'll talk about one in a second. And I think it's really actually a great book about leadership in general. And so, especially women that do have that drive and ambition to succeed professionally, or to you know use their book perhaps to you know chart into their next career. There's so many valuable nuggets in here that I think apply to so many different audiences. I shared with you before we officially got started that one of the things that I really appreciated, um, because it's something that I've had to sort through personally, is your discussion about good versus God. I'd love for you to share your perspective uh, specific to the male audience why is it so important that we be able to distinguish? You talk about discernment. Why is it important that we be able to distinguish between those two?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's something the Apostle Paul shares in Corinthians and with that church, which should shake us a little bit. It should really cause us to think about what we're doing and why we're doing it. And when I look at putting our hand to the plow, or working for the Lord, or or doing anything and attempting to build something. I know there's a lot of authors in this audience, and even men that listen later, whatever you're doing on your job, whether it's your, your mainstream income, or if it's a passion project, or you just want to further the kingdom of God in whatever way that you feel led to do, it's really important that we check the motive of our heart, and really, why are we doing this? The Apostle Paul talks about various building materials, And when he talks about standing before the judgment seat of Christ, which we all will do at one point, he talks about different resources and actual spiritual materials that people build with. So we're all building. The question is not if we're building, it's what we're building. And we know there's gold, there's silver, there's precious stones, which represent spiritual substance, something that God called us to do, something he equipped us to do with this heavenly resource that he's placed in us. And that we have the opportunity to build with, but there's also wood, hay, and stubble. And I don't necessarily believe that wood, hay, and stubble is necessarily bad. You can build really good things with wood. You can build structures. You can build things that can last. But the scariest part for me is was I called to do that? Is that something that, why am I motivated to do this? Is this, you know, something in me that's seeking for attention? Is it something in me that wants to build something? So it's really for me, when we talk about discernment, it's examining our motives and what is the Lord placed within us that He's calling us to? Because we can do a lot of things. You know, we're capable, we can do a lot, especially your audience here. You're here and you're listening to this. So you're already into development to some degree because you're letting Coach Tam speak to you. You're listening to a podcast. You might be in her group. You might be writing your book. And we have to examine, um, wow, we can build a lot, but I want to build what he's calling me to build. That's so important.
0: Yeah, because sometimes if we're honest, when we do that check, we find things that we are not pleased with ourselves, right? And we know that God isn't pleased with. So being able to take this journey as an author with the right intention is really, really important. And so sometimes as we're sorting those things out, I would imagine that there could be moments where fear comes in of, you know, should I do this or shouldn't I do this? And you even alluded to this a little bit earlier, Josh, about you taking the step to put out the standard. So your message is very bold, very straightforward. So at times it's kind of hard to imagine you having any fear or doubt around this. So talk to us about what hesitations there were as you were thinking about putting out a book.
1: Well, let, we can just speak to just authors in general, since that's the majority of your audience. I mean, you're, it's very vulnerable, number one, because you're writing something down. And you know, even when you give it to a family member that lives in the same house with you and say, will you read this? You're like, what are they going to think? Because you're putting it out there. And then to put it out to the world, that's a big step. So number one, I applaud everyone who's doing this and walking down this path and just taking action to step out. Um, It's a big, big deal. And I think, you know, in terms of overcoming fear and stepping on the other side of it, it's really just about knowing that you have something that you have to release. I can tell you personally, I struggled with perfection. OK, so let's talk about what perfection is. It's really fear. I knew it. I wasn't blind to it, but I'm like, (laughs) where is this perfection coming from where it's got to be just right and everything's got to be perfect? And look, I do love to do things with excellence. So if I'm going to do it, I want to do it the right way. So there is something about being excellent, but when it crosses over into this perfectionism, that's really the fear of failure. Back to your original question, that that's what I was scared of. And what are people going to think? What are they going to say? I'll tweak some more. I'll tweak. And you can get stuck in an endless cycle of tweaking and never releasing. And I can just tell you, if you have this, if you've invested time, if you have something in your heart that you can share, and usually as authors, it's something we've been through. It's something from our history. It's our story that we know other people need to hear, or it's something that was revealed that I just need to get out. So number one, this message was burning inside me where I'm like, I have to release this and actually, the Lord spoke to me about it. And, you know, I have a chapter in the book where I, I detail this a little bit. It's called Jesus is a Businessman. And I talk about the heart of business is really the business side of God wants a return on investment. And I was really uh, had a sober conversation with the Lord one day where I was waiting like, what do I do? I, I have things I want to release, I have things I want to do, but no open door at the moment you know, nothing there. And I don't want to push. And like, I'm not trying to just go grow social media or, like just release a message just because I feel like I have a message. Um, and I believe the Lord spoke to me and said, I want to return on my investment. And it was that moment that I started becoming very diligent with organizing all of my IP, all of my writings, putting things together and starting the genesis of saying, okay, when the door opens, I want to be prepared because I can handle the preparation part. I can't handle the opportunity that needs to come, that door needs to open, but when preparation meets opportunity, I know it's going to thrust me into my destiny and I don't want to be unprepared when that day comes. So that's when I started really putting in a lot of work and then stepping out. And I can say this, that when I decided to take action and really step through fear and release this book, so many doors started opening. It's why I'm here talking to you today. And so many people have been blessed by the work and they're writing to me and I have phenomenal testimonials that just, I, it blows me away every time I read a message from someone or someone sends me a DM and they tell me how the book's helping them, or I'm reading it for the second time, or me and my friends are going to go through it together. And I'm like, this is insane. Like, this is crazy. I was just obedient with what the Lord told me to do. I released it and now it's off me. It's out there.
0: And that's exactly right. You know, for those that are listening, we are not responsible for what happens next. We are responsible for being obedient. Um, In this instance, you saw that your obedience was tied to the deliverance of so many other people that read this book and we're empowered by its messages. And there are authors that are aspiring authors that are listening to us right now. Same thing will be true for you. Mm -hmm. When you step into obedience and do what God is telling you to do, then you're going to see that others' lives are going to be positively impacted. So don't allow the fear, the perfectionism to stop you from moving forward. Now, Josh, I'm curious, did you ever get any backlash about this message? Because I think a lot of times that's also the fear too, especially when you take strong stances like this, someone's going to say, are you crazy? That's wrong. And that's not what the Bible says or something like that. So did that ever happen for you? Or was that truly a false expectations appearing real type of moment?
1: It hasn't happened yet, but I'm expecting it. You know, it's just a matter of time, probably, until the right crowd or the wrong crowd hears something <laughs> and and wants to come at me for whatever reason. But I was really—I I will say this—I was very, very diligent to do my research, to submit my manuscript to pastors and people that I really mm. respect. I went through it with a fine comb because I'm writing about the life of Jesus, so I don't want to misspeak. I did make some tweaks to make sure everything was theologically sound and biblically accurate. So I feel good about standing behind what I have out there. There's definitely different sects and denominations of Christianity. I haven't run into anything there. And then there's the world that just doesn't like this message at all and doesn't like Jesus and rejected him and will reject us as well and whatever.
0: Yeah, I mean, we can't control everything. But I think just you sharing that you are expecting that and it's not going to stop you. I think that's important for our audience to hear too, is even if it does happen, God is going to equip you to be able to handle that. Don't let that be a deterrent from you moving forward. So I want to make sure Josh, that our listening audience has a way to get their hands on the standard. Tell us about where we can keep up with you online, be able to learn about this book and the other things that you're doing. I heard you mention... Bible studies and all these other different uses for the book. So, talk to us a little bit about that and where we can connect with you online.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. So, as a piggyback to what we just said about getting your work out there, I just want to encourage the authors real quick. I'll give you all the information, I'm going to fill you in on the standard, but you guys have a message. You have to release it because so many doors opened when I released this message and when I was obedient to release it. So, keep working, be disciplined, carve your time out, listen to your coach. Coach Tam knows what she's doing. Follow direction and just show up on the days you feel like it and the days you don't. Because you don't know who's waiting on the other side that's going to give you a a testimony to say, wow, this really helped me. Because I believe we all have something to offer. We all have a gift inside of us that we have to release. And I actually just released a podcast and I was blown away at what's happening with it right now. I I had no idea what to expect. I I was hoping it would do well. I didn't have a timetable of like what to expect. And, you know, for the first six episodes, you know, just, just to let you know, I'm vulnerable too. There was a method to this, but for the first six episodes, I didn't really tell anyone about it. Not because I was scared. I'm like, I want to build something. So there's something there when I do tell them, but there was a little bit of, all right, now I'm putting my voice out there. Now I'm really stepping yeah.
0: up there. Yeah.
1: So I told people at around episode six, by episode 11, we had a thousand downloads. We just got up to 1500 and I didn't check the nation count, but the last time I looked, it was over 21 nations. People are listening from, which That's is amazing. insane. It's the same with your book. You don't know who's going to order it, who's going to see it or where it's going to go. So authors release what's in your hand. In terms of where to connect with me and where to get the book, so I self-published it. It is on Amazon, so you can just go to the standard, Discovering Jesus is the standard for masculinity, and you can connect with me on the website, standard59.com. That's the numbers 5 nine, standard59.com, and you'll see links there that take you to Amazon, tell you a little bit more about what I'm building and where I'm going with this, and if you want to connect with the podcast or listen in, it's Raising the Standard on any podcast app and on social, I am at Kingdom Athlete.
0: So Josh, we're, we're wrapping up our time. it goes so fast, it goes so fast. And we talk about so much. And I'm thinking about you know, that person out there and you've given them a really great pep talk to release what is in their hand. I want you to think about for a moment, person that's heard everything that you just shared. They've listened to this entire interview but they still have a, yeah, but as to why they can't move forward. Before we wrap up, can you just speak one final word of encouragement for that person that's heard what you said, but for some reason they're still hesitating? What is your number one piece of advice to that person today?
1: So the word I'm going to drop is commitment. You have to be so committed. And if we really break that down and look what that is, that commitment is what's going to drive you. And commitment is what's going to make you, it's going to fuel you to show up, like I said earlier, when you feel like it, when you don't. But you're committed to something right now. So you're either committed to your excuse of always finding a reason why you can't do it or why you shouldn't do it or why now's not the right time. Or you're going to be committed to getting it done. And commitment's going to get you to wake up earlier. Commitment's going to make you hit the keys and drink that coffee before the alarm usually goes off. Right. Commitment might have you staying up a little bit later, but it's going to have you finish this. I remember, like, it was almost like a race as I was finishing the book because we're great at starting something. We're all great at starting. And I heard a message last year that impacted me. And I have a whiteboard in my office and I wrote it right above. And it was the message is this there is dominion in finishing. It's easy to start, anybody can start, but you actually take dominion in life by finishing. And I found that to be true. I actually have a podcast episode on it called There's Dominion and Finishing. When you finish something, you conquer it and you can graduate to the next level and it opens the next door. But as humans, we love to start. We're all visionaries, right? No one has a shortage of ideas. No one does. I I coach entrepreneurs. I come from that. That's the cloth I'm cut from. We have all these ideas of where it's going to go and what's going to happen next. But then- It can be just all talk if we never put the pen to the paper and actually finish what we said we would do. So be committed. You're either committed to your excuses or you're committed to finishing and completing the vision. And when you do, you will take dominion in life.
0: Well, I hope that you have enjoyed this week's episode of Publishing Secrets, where our mission is to inspire you to write, publish, and profit in a way that honors God.